At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer from Evo. Welcome to Love Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast, and we've got a tremendous podcast for you today. As in the second segment, we're going to be talking a little bit about the NL Central with our good friend Matt Pauly. He began the year doing pre- and post-game work for the Milwaukee Brewers Radio Network. Now he's with the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network over there at KMOX Sports. So a big trade deadline acquisition by St. Louis in that aspect. And we're going to be talking about some of the trade deadline acquisitions, not himself, but rather the players out there on the field that have been making a little bit of an impact, what to make out of this race in general, just really the National League playoff picture as a whole. So we're going to be diving into that with Matt in the second segment, then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis. And every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And if you got one or two ways, feel free to send. First one is my Twitter timeline at one. Keep in mind, letters M. It does not matter, as per usual. Please just send these into the timeline. And the other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, terrible fire, whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Via that five star review. Really didn't wind up getting in too many questions other than what in the world has happened to the New York Yankees. So let's dive into everything that we wound up seeing on Sunday. Try to find some turns and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Yankees get shut out on Sunday Night Baseball in a very rare 2-hour and 15-minute game. 
between the Red Sox and the Yankees. I'll certainly take it as the Red Sox get the job done by a count of 3-0. to zero. James Dion didn't pitch terribly in this one. He does find it giving up a home run, three runs in total over the course of seven innings as Rafael Devers gets his 25th home run of the campaign. But Michael Walker, first start for him in about a month and a half coming off the injured list. Seven scoreless innings, punches out nine. Ryan Brazier, Garrett Woodlock from there. A scoreless setting as just a very silent night for the New York Yankees in terms of their bats. You wound up having a very silent just month in general thus far from the Miami Marlins. The last time the Miami Marlins wound up scoring more than three runs in a game, you have to go back to last month. Three to one, the Braves wind up taking them down as they played all three runs in the ninth inning. Michael Harris is second. A little bit of a hero for the team as he winds up cranking his 12th home run of the season. That comes out for Tanner Scott, who gives up all three of those runs in the ninth inning. The entire Miami Marlins owe Braxton Garrett dinner. This was a great start from him. Six scoreless innings. Dylan Floro, Stephen O'Kirk from there. Both landed scoreless innings. I guess those guys don't home dinner, but pretty much everyone else does because the Marlins, they go 1-7 with men in scoring position, and they struck out 10 times against Bryce Elder. Elder gives up one run over the course of seven innings. He has been terrible for the Braves all season long. Comes up, winds up delivering great start, and then Tyler Madsen, Kenley Jansen from there. Both lend a scoreless inning, and the Miami Marlins in this stretch, I believe that they have won two of these last 15 games, in which they have scored three runs or fewer, and the record for games of three runs or fewer since the live ball era began, that'd be 17. So, not great out there. This has been great, though. The Cleveland Guardians, they got the best record in the American League since the All-Star break. They win by a count of 72 against the Toronto Blue Jays. Shane Bieber gave us all a fever, giving up two runs over the course of seven innings. Jeff Steven, Emmanuel Classe, close out the eighth and ninth inning, scoreless there. And then the tone was set early by Amid Rosario. Eighth home run season, that comes off Kevin Gosman. And Gosman, it's got great advanced numbers. He hasn't necessarily been great out there on the field. Four and two-thirds innings, he gives up five runs, including that bomb. David Phelps, one and a third inning, scoreless. Trevor Richards, Anthony Bass, they both landed a scoreless inning before Trent Thornton. He winds up giving up. Two runs over the course of his inning work. So Blue Jays looking a little bit shaky right now on that front. But the good news for them is that the Baltimore Orioles did not wind up gaining ground out there in that wild card race. The race, they get it done by a count of 4-1 to one as Jordan Lyles winds up giving up all four of the runs in a four and a third inning start, giving up a home run to Randy Arozarena along the way. 15th home run season. From there, Keegan Aiken, two scoreless settings. Wound up having Joey Kribo come in for a scoreless setting and Logan Gillespie. Whereabouts out of the bullpen, just nothing new for the Baltimore Orioles. As you wound up having a perfect game taken into the ninth inning by Drew Rasmussen while was unable to complete it, but... No doubt, a very impressive start, giving up one hit over the course of eight and a third innings. Jason Adam gets the final two outs of the game. He was able to get the save. You wound up having the Cincinnati Reds put up some big numbers. Eight to five, they wind up taking down the Chicago Cubs as Keegan Thompson. That is difficulties on the road, to say the least. Gives up four runs and got five outs in. And giving up a home run along the way as Adi Cide Sakino was able to get his fourth home run season. And not like Justin Dunn wound up getting her done for the Cincinnati Reds. I will say that. Five runs surrendered in three and two-thirds innings, including a trio of bombs as Jan Gomes gets his sixth home run of the season. Christopher Morales, 11th, and Patrick Wisdom is 21st. But Anderson Espinosa has actually been halfway decent on the Cubs bullpen thus far this season. They needed length from, he was unable to deliver. It gives up three runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings. Michael Rucker, he winds up giving up a run while getting five outs out of the bullpen. Kirby Castro, two scoreless innings out of him. And then for Cincinnati, the bullpen was actually relatively solid. Revier St. Martin 
Lines getting it out on the bullpen. Alexis Diaz, Hunter Strickland. They combine to go the final two innings. Scoreless and Joe Kunal. Two scoreless innings. Buck Farmer. A scoreless inning as the Cincinnati Reds go 4 of 14 with men in scoring position. The DJ Daggers have been held silent on offense for much of the season and continued on Sunday, even against Lance Lynn. 5 to 3, the final as Lynn winds up giving up two runs over the course of six innings. He has been uncharacteristically bad this season, but that wasn't too bad of a start, punching out seven. From there, Jimmy Lambert, Jake Diekman, they combined to be able to hold it down with two scoreless innings, and Kendall Graveman was able to give the team an inning. He did wind up giving up a solo run along the way. Harold Castro, fifth home run season, but able to get the save as Tyler Alexander. He gave up three runs over the course of five innings, going deep for the self-siders. A.J. Pollock, seventh home run season. Then Ender Vaughn would get his 13th home run season. That comes off of Willie Peralta, who's been very solid out of the bullpen this season, but gives up two runs over the course of his inning of work. Jason Foley, Alex Lang were both able to give you a scoreless inning. Speaking of scoreless, that's what the Philadelphia Phillies wound up getting out once again on Sunday. They have not scored in their last 18 innings. The Phillies have 6-0. The New York Metropolitans hold the Phillies silent as Chris Bassett had a hook, line, and sinker for five scoreless settings. From there, Trevor Williams, two scoreless. Michael Givens winds up lending a scoreless setting. And then Yoli Rodriguez and Adam Adovino were able to complete the ninth scoreless as the Phillies. They go 0 of 10 with men in scoring position with 12 men left on base. Just unacceptable right there. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler. He was not having the wheels stay on, and he was not dealing. He gives up six runs over the course of six innings, including a home run to Daniel Vogelback. 15th home run of the campaign for him. Corey Knable, along with Andrew Bellotti, both combined for a scoreless setting and right hand scoreless setting, but damage had been done from there. Our DK Nation pick was on the under in the Dodgers and the Royals game, and the Dodgers get shut out. They're now 30-5 and in their last 35 games as the Royals get it done by a count of 4-0. A great start here from Brady Singer. Allows one hit, no runs over the course of six innings. From there, Amir Garrett is able to end a scoreless inning. Dylan Coleman, Scott Barlow, then you combine for the final two innings scoreless as Vinny Pasquantino was able to get his seventh home run season. That comes off of Craig Kimbrell. It's just been all sorts of loss this season. He gives up that run in his inning of work. He's got a 439 ERA. Alex Vizia, a scoreless inning. And for Tyler Anderson, he's been relatively solid. Does wind up giving up three runs over the course of six innings. Certainly not a worry point for the Dodgers at this point. They had one 12 straight going into this game, but good win for Brady Singer and company. And a good win on the under for us that wound up taking that as well. You did wind up seeing the San Diego Padres in the Peacock game wind up holding the Washington Nationals silent. 6-0 the final in this one is Blake Snell. 10 punch outs, 6 scoreless settings after the team wound up beginning 1-8 and eight in his first nine starts of the campaign. They've won 4 out of his last 5 starts. Things are starting to turn around there as Nick Martinez, 2 scoreless settings. Robert Suarez was able to lend a scoreless setting and for the Padres, they wind up going 4 of 11 with Ben in scoring position as for Washington, Paulo Espino gives up 4 runs in 5 and 2 thirds innings. He's a 35-year-old guy that doesn't necessarily have a lot of upside. Don't know why he's getting starts instead of some of these young guys. Discussion for another day there. Jake McGee, he winds up delivering a scoreless setting. Victor Rano, four outside the bullpen. And Tyler Clifford, he winds up giving up two runs over the course of his ending of work. We're going to talk a little bit more about this with Matt Pauley in the next segment. But the Cardinals take down the Milwaukee Brewers by a count of 6-3. Things were tied going into the bottom of the eighth. So if you wound up having the under, thoughts and prayers to you as the Cardinals wind up putting up a four spot. 
Taylor Rogers, the big acquisition from the Josh Hader trade because the Brewers stupidly wind up DFAing Denelson Lamette. Don't even get me started on that trade, being a Milwaukee Brewers fan. That doesn't sit well with me. Gives up four runs and two-thirds of an inning, including a pair of bombs, as Albert Pools is going deep twice in this one. Once off of Rogers, once off of the starter in Aaron Ashby. Ninth and tenth home runs of the season, Tyler O'Neill. He winds up getting his seventh home run season. That comes off of Ashby, and then... Dylan Carlson goes deep off of Rodgers. His eighth of the campaign for Ashby. Gives up two solo runs over the course of six innings. Not a bad start there. Matt Bush, a scoreless hang out of the bullpen. And then it got so bad that Peter Strzelski wound up having to get the final out out of the bullpen. And for the Brewers, they did not wind up having a single at bat with a man in scoring position. They got their runs because Hunter Renfro got his 28th home run season. And Rowdy Tellez, his 24th home run season for Tellez. That came very late off of Ryan Helsley, who still has a sub-1 ERA despite giving up that home run in his inning of work. And for Miles Michaelis, he gave up the other home run but was solid. Two runs surrendered over the course of eight innings. And the St. Louis Cardinals, all of a sudden, their lead out there in the National League Central now winds up going to one and a half games. You've got the San Francisco Giants trying in some form or fashion to just be able to make things interesting in terms of the wild card. They barely hold on for dear life against the Pittsburgh Pirates. 8-7 to seven, the final as the Giants. They very nearly upchugged defeat from the jaws of victory. They were up 5-0 to zero in this one. And then they allowed a Pirates offense that's not so great to be able to come back as Brian Reynolds gets a 17th home run season. That comes off of John Brebbian. That was of a three-run variety. As for the San Francisco Giants, Alex Wood gives up three runs over the course of six innings. And I believe that he went the first five scores before things wound up going down from there as Brebbia. He gave up that home run, three runs in total, and did not wind up getting it out. Dominique Leon, Jarlon Garcia, they piecemeal two scoreless things together before Camilo Duvall. He winds up giving up an under run. It is ending work hurt by an Evan Longoria throwing errors for the Giants. They got rescued in the ninth inning by Thario Estrada getting his 11th home run season in walk-off fashion. And then a little bit earlier in the game, Lamonte Wade Jr. gets the seventh of the campaign. That comes off of Zach Thompson, and things are not going well for Thompson right now. Gives up that bomb, five runs in total over the course of four innings. He's got north of a 70 ERA over the last 35 days. Many Benuelos along with Eric Stout both give you a scoreless inning. Colin Olderman was not able to hold it down. He gives up a run in an inning, and then Will Crow, one in a third innings, gives up the walk-off homer and two runs in total. So that was not necessarily too terrific. The Angels have not been too terrific on offense recently, but they win a series against the Twins, 4-2. They're able to get the job down here as Chris Archer gives up three runs over the course of four innings. Archer has not completed more than five innings this season, by the way. Trevor McGill was able to lend two scoreless innings. He had Emilio Begon after he wanted to line the walk-off homer on Saturday. Be able to lend a scoreless inning, and Michael Fulmer gives up a run and an inning, but really the lone form of offense for Minnesota, Byron Buxton in the first inning gets his 28th home run season. That comes off of Tucker Davidson. And for Davidson, after giving up that home run, he settled down, giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Aime Baria, two scoreless innings, and Jose Quijada was able to get his third save of the season. He was able to go scoreless. So the Angels, they play yet another under, and he wound up having the Mariners and the Rangers get locked up in an interesting game as Texas is back to winning 5-3. to three. They take down the Seattle Mariners as Logan Gilbert. Not his best start. He winds up giving up three runs over the course of six innings. From there, Matt Brash, who's been relatively solid out of the bullpen. He gets just two outs, and he winds up giving up two runs along the way. Eric Swanson was able to get an out of the bullpen, and Diego Castillo 
a scoreless setting, but not a lot doing for Seattle off of one. Martin Perez, as Perez, he winds up giving up three runs in six innings, but only one of which was earned. He was badly hurt by his fielding. Corey Seager wound up having an error along with Ezekiel Duran. From there, Jose Leclerc, a scoreless setting to be able to get his first save in eons. Josh Saboris was able to lend two scoreless settings as he had five strikeouts along the way to be able to get that one to the window and the Astros. They were able to get to the window themselves as the Oakland A's. They have now lost eight straight, six to three. Houston was able to get the job done as for Oakland. Cole Irvin ends up getting lit up. He's got an ERA that is sub two at home, right around five on the road as he gives up five runs over the course of six innings, including a homer to Alex Bregman, 16th home run season. From there, you have one run surrendered in two innings by Austin Pruitt, but for Houston, Christian Javier. Very good start. Won it. No runs allowed over the course of six innings. You did have Rafael Montero wind up giving up two runs in a third of an inning. And Will Smith, he got jiggy with it. He allowed a solo home run in his inning of work as Nick Allen, who wound up getting home run number two of the season. Hector Neris was able to lend a scoreless inning, though. And Ryan Presley, pair of outs out of the bullpen as well. And then you had the Arizona Diamondbacks go to elevation. They wind up being able to elevate their game. They wind up taking down the Colorado Rockies by kind of 7-4 to four. as Tommy Henry, a good start considering the circumstances. Three runs allowed in five and a third innings for Arizona. From there, you do end up having Devo, Chris Savinsky, and Ian Kennedy both land a scoreless setting. Pair of outs out of the bullpen from Tyler Holton before Mark Melanson allows a run in his inning work, but Christian Walker just continues to be the boom man for Arizona. 27th home run season. That comes off of Ryan Feltner who winds up giving up Six runs, five of which were earned in four and a third innings. Austin Gomber gombered up two and a third innings, giving up one run. And Denelson Lamette, who should still be a Milwaukee Brewer, two scoreless settings for the Colorado Rockies as well. And if you're taking a look at the game of baseball right now, we have been seeing this be an underseason thus far, but we have been seeing more and more overs recently. We'll get into that in a second, but for the season, 833 unders compared to 786 overs, that is 51.5% to the under end. Well, favorites, they're starting to really take hold. 1,024 and 682 straight up. So favorites for the season now have hit that 60-point plateau of winning straight up. But with home favorites, they've had a tough time being able to cover the run line there. 653 and 428 straight up. So that's 60.4%. 199 instances, though, this season in which the home favorite has not been able to cover the run line. You take a look at what we've been able to get over the last seven days. And it's been relatively even season. 41 unders to 39 overs in the time span. Favorites, they have went on a remarkable run. They are 60 and 30 straight up. And over the last 30 days, favorites, they're in more in the neighborhood of 63% at 228 and 134. And home favorites have been a little bit better on the run line. They have won 144 games straight up out of those games, all but 34. They have been able to win by multiple runs. And if you're looking at the Trends of totals in the time span as equal as the kids. 169 overs, 169 unders. So that's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we want up getting on Sunday. Now let's take a look at the National League playoff picture, and more specifically, the race in the NL Central. To do that, we bring on Matt Paul. He does a great job over there at KMOX in the great state of Missouri. He joins me next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bed 365 21 plus only must be present in ohio if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and it is always great to be joined by this guest as Matt Pauly does an absolutely terrific job taking a look at the game of baseball. Earlier this season, you were catching him Pre and post game work for the Milwaukee Brewers. Now he's working for the Cardinals radio network over there at KMOX. He hosts show, the sports opening line. You're able to hear that 98.7 FM if you're out there in the great state of Missouri. And to be able to catch Matt, that is at Matt Polly on air all together on Twitter. Matt, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always enjoy being able to talk some baseball with you. Always enjoy it with you as well. And you're a man that you've been able to see really both sides of the big race that we're seeing out there in the National League Central. Obviously, the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Reds, if they went seeking their way into this, that would be really something. But that said, we did wind up seeing the Cardinals get the job done on Sunday. And I do think that it's interesting taking a look at this race, but I do take a look at what wound up happening at the deadline. And with the Cardinals, they're currently leading the division. And I just give them the upper hand in general because I do think that while the Brewers were sort of stagnant at the trade deadline, and as a matter of fact, traded away Josh Hader, they wound up doing a really good job getting Jose Quintana, someone that I really like in Jordan Montgomery. And I think that these guys are going to be X factors towards back half of the season for the Cardinals. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think probably said it to you on this very podcast when I was doing things for the Brewers, the way I evaluated the trade deadline was the Cardinals needed to add to the rotation and the Brewers needed to add their middle of the order, get a legit bat in there. And I thought the team that did that was going to have the upper hand on the other. And if both teams did that, then it was going to be a really solid race uh, all season long. And it still might be like, I don't think the Brewers are going away, but I do think the Cardinals certainly improved themselves at the deadline in an area that they needed some improving. And at best, the Brewers just stayed the same. And at worst, they got worse. And I think I would lean towards the latter because uh, this is no disrespect meant to Rogers. And he's a he's a nice pitcher, but he's not Josh Hader. So, you know, they have Devin Williams. They have Brad Boxberger. They've got guys in the bullpen that are good. But we can make the argument that Josh Hader is the greatest relief pitcher walking the face of the earth right now. And they traded him away. There's really no way you get better by doing that. Yep. At his peak, Josh Hader, he is number one, obviously. Yeah has not been at his peak in about the last month and a half. I think that that's very fair to say. And thus, I would go with Edwin Diaz if we wound up having a game that would go down tomorrow. But that said, with Josh Hader, if he's able to refine that form, that is going to be massive. Whereas San Diego Padres, and one of those pieces I mentioned, Jordan Montgomery, is going to be going later on this week. Looks like he's lined up for game two of that series against the Rockies, most likely on Wednesday. And I thought that that was one of the most underrated moves at the trade deadline because I was very surprised that the Yankees were willing to trade him away. Harrison Bader is a solid outfielder when he's fully healthy, but he's currently not out there on the field for the New York Yankees. The Cardinals 
They had a little bit of depth in terms of their bats in general. And I thought that that was just absolutely massive for this Cardinals team. A guy in Montgomery who can really be an inning seeder and, in my opinion, has always been able to do a relatively solid job in road starts as well. I think you know me well enough to know that I'm not really a hot take guy. So this is the closest thing you're going to get of a hot take from me. He became available when the team acquired Frankie Montas. I like Frankie Montas. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a nice pitcher. You look at Montas's splits, playing games in Oakland and playing games anywhere else. And it's pretty remarkable where so much of his success came from. I'm not sitting here and telling you that Jordan Montgomery is a better pitcher than Frankie Montas, but I think when the season gets done, admittedly, Montgomery has 11 scoreless innings with the Cardinals, so saying this right now is maybe not fair, but I was saying this even before uh, he made an appearance. When the season gets over, go look at Montgomery's numbers and go look at Montas's numbers, and I think you're going to see that Montgomery has better numbers than Montas from the trade deadline on, and the interesting thing in that is that they wouldn't have been able to get Montas for Harrison Bader. They can get Montgomery. Now, the Yankees are desperate for some outfield depth, especially at center field. They don't care if Bader plays right now. They're earmarked to the postseason. They just want to make sure that they've got him available then, but yeah, the Montgomery skill set plays so well to Bush Stadium. I just think that was a great move. Yep, I totally agree with you as well. And I do think that that does wind up making the Cardinals a little bit of a force when it comes to the playoff pitcher in the National League. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Matt Paul. He does an amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball. And I do take a look at the National League pitch, picture. And I think, once again, it's very much there that the Dodgers, they are currently the team to beat. They wind up losing the game against the Kansas City Royals on Sunday. But it's been a remarkable run. They're 30-5 and five in their last 35 games. But we also know as well, the Dodgers have had their, shall we say, struggles in the month of October as well. I'm not sure you're taking a look at this National League playoff race, but I do think that the Dodgers, they weren't being that top team once again. They weren't being that team to beat, but I take a look at the Mets. I take a look at the Braves, a pair of teams out there in the National League East that are going to be doing battle this week. I think that they're right there. I think that the Cardinals with their skill set and a team that very nearly knocked off the Dodgers last year in the one-game wild card, they're right there as well. And then I take a look at the Padres, and I don't know about you, but not having Fernando Tatis Jr. towards back of the season, it hurts. I don't know if it hurts as much as a lot of people are making it out to be, though, because with Fernando Tatis Jr., he just hasn't played all year long, and you didn't know what you were going to be able to get out of him if he were to return in late August, early September as well. Yeah, so I think the first three teams you mentioned, and the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Mets, are clearly the three kind of top-tier teams in the National League. If Tatis was going to be available, considering the acquisitions that they made at the deadline, I feel like a Padres team with Fernando Tatis Jr. could be right there with the Dodgers and the Mets and the Braves. I think what this does is the Padres are still a really good team. I still think the Padres are going to be a postseason club. I don't think they're going to have the kind of collapse uh, that they had last year. But what this changes for me is you don't have that fourth team in the Padres that I would kind of view as being one of those top tier teams. I do. I know all of a sudden, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between the Padres and the Cardinals. And we all know, like you just referenced the, the one game playoff last year. Anybody can beat anybody in the playoffs. So the Padres losing some of their potential firepower 
to me, it just makes them a little bit more susceptible uh, in the playoffs to lose in an early round. Yep, I do think so as well. When it comes to the San Diego Padres, no question, still a relatively solid team. I do like the fact that they wanted picking up Juan Soto, but I do think that that was a very, very steep price to pay as well. And I know that the St. Louis Cardinals, they were a team that was in the Juan Soto sweepstakes as well. And I'm not sure what your take is in terms of trading for star players like a Juan Soto, but I do feel like with the St. Louis Cardinals, yeah, it would have been nice to be able to have them. But honestly, I think what the Cardinals wound up doing at the deadline and not getting Juan Soto, I think that it was just fine personally. And I do think that if the Cardinals would have won out, they would have gotten Juan Soto. They probably would have had to give it up. Matthew Libertor, it sounded like Dylan Carlson was that one piece that they didn't want to trade. And I don't know if it would have made sense to necessarily mortgage a future and still give away pieces to be competitive this year. Because unlike in sports like basketball, trading for a star player in, say, the NFL, getting a starting quarterback or something like that. In baseball, when you acquire a position player, you only wind up getting them for four or five at-bats a game. Obviously, guys can wind up doing a little bit out there in the field as well. But when I take a look at the game of baseball, I do think that depth is important. And I do think the fact that the Padres wound up getting in the guys that they did in Josh Bell, along with Juan Soto, it helps them out. But I think that even getting the best of the best star players when it comes to position players in baseball, it just doesn't make as much of a monumental move as it would in, say, other sports. Yeah, I was with the Cardinals and not giving up whatever the Cardinals version of the Padres Hall would be. And the names that I heard thrown around a lot at the big league level, Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman, and then at the minor league level, Jordan Walker and uh, Mason Wynn. And Walker is the team's top prospect. Wynn is the team's fourth prospect. Both are infielders. Walker has been playing a little bit in the outfield here recently at double-A just because you're blocked on the infield right now with the Cardinals when you consider who they've got there. You don't have to look much further than the Angels. The Angels have had the best player walking the face of the earth and Mike Trout for a really long time. And, Two of the top five. Sure, right, with Otani. Like, and they haven't won anything. Yeah, having star players is really important and star players can help you win games, but just as important is having roster depth lineup depth, organizational depth, like whatever depth you want to go with, it is just as important. And that doesn't exist in other sports like you were alluding to. In the NBA, you don't need to go 12 deep. You can go seven deep and you're going to be in pretty good shape. In the NFL, if you got a quarterback, if you got a wide receiver and you got a left tackle, you know, a lot of times that's going to be good enough for you to do it. In baseball, so important that you go 20, your entire 26 man roster, your entire 40 man roster, and that group of players who's not on your 40 man roster, but are sitting there at AAA ready to be available for your 40 man roster when a need arises. Like it's all so important. Yep. I totally agree with you there. You could have the best player on the face supply on earth having their best game you could have insert player here go four of four with four solo homers if you wind up having a bad pitcher and a bad bullpen you could wind up losing by kind of six to four and it all winds up going for not so yeah i always think that that is so important to take a look at as we do have matt Polly. he does a great job over at kmox he is joining me right here on the podcast and just taking a look at the game of baseball in general it could be national league it could be american league you're able to go down the list but it's been a team over the last few weeks ever since the trade deadline that it's really stood out to you how they've been playing whether it be to the positive or the negative because i do think that it's been really interesting what we've been seeing these last few weeks as we have been seeing quite a few teams getting on streaks both to the positive and to the negative this is a weird one to give you and they just lost two of three to the Rays. 
But the Orioles sold at the deadline, and you thought that they were just going to kind of go away, and they haven't. Now, I'm not going to tell you the Orioles are going to make the postseason. They're probably not. But I've been impressed all year by them with them sticking around, and now they've continued to stick around. So that's probably the first team. Just Again, I don't think they're actually playing for anything, so that probably doesn't really answer your question. But the fact that they haven't just completely fallen apart. On the other side of it, a team that I do think has a chance to go on a little bit of run, and they also just lost a series. They lost two out of three to the Rangers over the weekend. But I like the Seattle Mariners, and they got a little bit better at the deadline, and I think they've got the opportunity. You know, They've got a puncher's chance to knock off a team in the postseason. I do agree with you. I think that's going to be really interesting to take a look at at the Orioles and really that entire American League playoff picture. I know that we have been talking quite a bit more about the National League, but I mean, my goodness, you take a look at the wild card. I like what the Mariners wound up doing at the deadline. They took a bunch of games from the New York Yankees over the last two weeks. You talk about the Orioles. The Blue Jays are very fascinating because if they can get right, that's going to be big. But Jose Barrios, Yusei Kikuchi, are they going to be able to give them any good innings whatsoever? The Boston Red Sox have all of a sudden been able to show some signs of life. That entire American League Central, what in the world is going to be happening there? I think that it's going to be one of the most interesting final months and halves out there in terms of the American League playoff picture humanly possible. And we still have the fact that the Yankees and the Astros are on top of that league. And at this point, I might be giving the Astros a little bit of an edge in a series against the Yankees with the way that they've been pitching. Yeah, especially, you know, they've got the Yankees number, and I, I think that actually does play a role in the postseason. A lot of people will tell you it won't. The American League is really compelling. Like We, we went over the National League earlier. It's very clear in the National League that top group, that next group, the final playoff spots, we're only really talking about whichever team doesn't win the Central, so either the Cardinals or the Brewers. We're talking about the Phillies. We're talking about the Padres. But you basically know the playoff field in the National League, and you kind of know what the hierarchy is going to be and what the upsets would be if if that happened. In the American League, past the Yankees and the Astros, I just feel like it is absolutely wide open. I'm not sure what team. You mentioned Toronto. I should have mentioned Toronto when you asked that question, too. They are an incredibly compelling team. They've got so many interesting parts. They look like a team that's built to win, yet they don't. They made the change in the middle of the season at the manager spot. There's just up and down. Who are the Rays? Like The Rays can't put it all together, but we know what they've done recently. You mentioned the Red Sox. I don't believe in the Red Sox at all, but... They keep going, having these little spurts where something happens. The American League Central, who knows? Like the White Sox are the most talented team in the AL Central. They haven't put it together this year. What they just barely got back above 500 recently. And then you look at Cleveland and you look at Minnesota. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's more wide open for sure in the American League than it is in the National League. I agree with you. I think that it is going to be so fascinating to see what we wind up getting in the American League to your point with the National League, the Brewers versus the Cardinals. Them being able to go at it, that is very fascinating. Whoever winds up losing out in the NL Central, they've got a chance to be able to catch the San Diego Padres as well. So that's relatively competitive. But still, with that American League, who knows what we're going to be able to get out of the sleeping manager and Tony La Russa for the Chicago White Sox as well. So, man, there's going to be a lot that's going down. And, Matt, I mean, we just went through it. There's going to be a lot of great baseball played this next month and a half. And then, oh, yeah, that's when the playoffs wind up getting started. You do a great job at KMOX. Hopefully, you're going to be covering some great October baseball yourself, and I know that you do a great job 
being able to cover things over there at the Cardinals Radio Network. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that's on tap for you. Yeah, absolutely. On Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network doing the pregame and the postgame for most of the games. I do the Monday through Friday Cardinals game, Saturday, Sunday. We've got somebody else who handles that, a guy by the name of uh, Joe Pott, who's a great broadcaster and has been in the St. Louis market for a really long time, and he's a good friend of mine. I'm glad to be able to call a colleague and a teammate now. And on nights that the Cardinals don't play, or if it's a night where the Cardinals are playing on the West Coast, I've got a show from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Uh, it's called Sports Open Line. It's on KMOX. And yeah, we do that uh, every uh, weekday night when uh, time is available and we don't have uh, Cardinal baseball. So I stay busy, and it is, it's fun. This weekend was so weird for me because I was covering the Brewers just a few, just like a month ago, and now I'm covering the Cardinals, and it's weird, it's fun, and I had a pretty good run of covering postseason baseball in Milwaukee. I hope that that run does continue here in St. Louis. Hey, well, I guess the St. Louis Cardinals, they got a little bit more than just Jordan Montgomery at the trade deadline. They acquired a broadcaster from the Milwaukee Brewers as well. So, you know what? The St. Louis Cardinals, they're haul at the trade deadline better than what it even looked like on paper. So, absolutely tremendous from Matt Paul. He does absolutely amazing work. Taking a look at the game of baseball right now. He's doing great work at KMOX with the St. Louis Cardinals, and it's always a pleasure to get him on the podcast. A big thanks to Matt for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of podcast to give you picks and analysis at every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and it is always a pleasure to be joined by Matt Paul. He's doing a great job doing a lot of work over there for the St. Louis Cardinals was a little bit earlier this season doing pre- and post-game work for the Milwaukee Brewers. Obviously a man that certainly knows his NL Central Baseball. Does a great job with the sports open line that is over there on KMOX if you're out there in the great state of Missouri. So always a pleasure to get him aboard as he's now doing great work over there with the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis 
on every game on the betting board for this MOB Monday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore 81. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation or this is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. And we do have one double dip between the Tigers and the Guardians. When it comes to that case, I am just going to do both of those games all together. So let's get it started with 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies hit the road. They're facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. They're on to Mike Miner getting the start. So but to not be a major disappointment against North or Syndergaard. Syndergaard and company, a minus 175 to a minus 180 favorite. And if you're taking a look at Cincinnati, anywhere between plus 152 and plus 160 is your price. With nine, your total over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. And this is going to be a case in which I'm going to be taking a look at the run line. I was personally on the lay on the run line up to a minus 145. We are well below that right now. Mike Miner has just been so bad that he is an unbackable side right now. I needed at least a plus 225 to be able to take a shot. We are well below that. With the Reds, they wind trading off Brandon Drury, Taylor Nankwin at the trade deadline. I do recognize that this is a Philadelphia Philly team that they're currently without Bryce Harper. They do wind up getting shut out yesterday, but Mike Miner should be able to help out a lot of these guys. As you still have Reese Hoskins, Sick Cassianos, JT Rimuto, all in between about a 252-260. Hoskins has been able to supply 24 home runs. You've got Cassianos, who has been down with the power, but Derek Hall, he's been able to do a very solid job for the team. He's hitting a 265. He's been able to get eight home runs and a little bit over 115 at bats as far. So he has been good for the team. You do need the guys like Brandon Marsh, Matt Vierling to be able to do a little bit of a better job at the bottom of the full. But I mean, for Mike Miner, 624 ERA. He's got a 1-9 record over the course of 12 starts. And I believe that the Cincinnati Reds have lost all but one of his starts. So that's absolutely terrible. The Reds have lost out of his last four starts, all of them by at least two runs, and for that matter, in all but one of his last eight starts, they have lost by at least two runs, so they are not covering the run line right now. He has given up at least three runs in five out of his last six starts. This guy has been terrible at home with a 625 ERA. He's got a 623 on the road. He's given up 11 homers in 36 innings. There's just no redeeming qualities with Mike Miner. You've got Jonathan India currently on the injured list. For the Cincinnati Reds as well, Joey Votto has been relatively soft for this team. Kyle Farmer, he's able to move the line. He's hitting about a 260 for this bunch. You've had Mick Senzel. He's been able to do a relatively solid job as well. He's hitting for about a 245 as well. But rough sledding for the Cincinnati Reds team. And they are currently dead last in terms of bullpen ERA. As they've been able to get really good innings out of Lexus Diaz. But Ingabo, Buck Farmer, Joe Kuno, Luis Sessa, Hunter Strickland. You're able to go down the list of guys. More north of a 5 ERA. And I do think that North or Syndergaard are going to give up a few runs here. You do have a Reds team that at home they've been averaging right in the neighborhood about 5 runs per game. That has fallen off a little bit ever since the trade deadline. But still with Thorpe, he has been someone that has struggled a little bit. 
when he has been away from Los Angeles, posting up a little bit north of a 5 ERA, and it starts away from LA, has been able to keep the ball in the yard overall, giving up 0.9 home runs per 9 innings, 2.5 walks per 9 strikeout numbers. They're a little bit down, but I certainly do think that you've got great value here in a guy in North or Syndergaard who should be able to go out, do a solid job, and for Mike Miner, just been a major disappointment all season long. I did wind up saying my total at a 9.3, so I'm willing to take a look at the over, and I was willing to lay up to a minus 148 on the run line of the Phillies. Right now, we're finding that run line more in the neighborhood, about a minus 110, so I'm going to be taking a look at this run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at the total over as we go to my DK Nation pick. This is 903-904 on the betting board. It is the San Diego Padres and the Padres. They are in the road. They are facing up against the Miami Marlins. One Sunday, Alcantara is going to be going for the fish. And Joe Musgrove, he is going to be on the bump for San Diego. San Diego is finding themselves as a favorite anywhere between minus 130 and minus 135. Between plus 110 and plus 120 is your price. On Miami, 6F is the total. On the 6F, the over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. It takes a really good pitching matchup for me to take a look at a 6F under, and my DK Nation pick is going to be on the 6F under. And the reason why is that the Miami Marlins have now won 15 straight games with three runs or fewer scored. It has been a remarkably bad run for them. I mean, you just take a look at it. You've got Aces Aguiar. He's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers, and that is about it. These guys have just been unable to move the line. Garrett Cooper, he overall this season is hitting right around about a 270. Joey Wendell has been able to give you a couple of solid at-bats as well, but you just take a look at these guys, and they are providing a big, giant nothing burger right now. Braxton Gary, you feel bad for the guy. He pitches six scoreless innings, and he gets a no decision because got guys like Luan Diaz, J.J. Bedley, Peyton Buderick, guys like this are out there in the lineup having no idea what the heck they are doing. It's like they're blindfolded swinging at a pinata right now, and they have no idea where the pinata is. Meanwhile, you take a look at the San Diego Padres lineup, and they were able to get things going against the Washington Nationals because, well, it's the Washington Nationals. You do have a trio of guys that have been able to give you at least 20 home runs this year. And Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Brandon Drury, these guys have been rock solid as you do have Machado hitting right around 8-300. Drinks are pro far. Will Myers, awesome Kim. These guys have been able to pick it up hitting between about a 245 to a 255 a piece, but you've had your ups and downs with regards to this lineup. With the Padres, they've got a relatively rested bullpen. They were able to get some good innings out of Blake Snell, so you've got Josh Hader if this is going to be a game that's going to be a little bit more of a tight one. You've had Tim Hill be able to post up a sub-3 ERA over the last 40 days, so he's been able to do a nice job for the team as well. And for the Miami Marlins, certainly you did wind up losing Anthony Bass from that bullpen, but you didn't wind up having to go through too many bullpen pieces yesterday, and you've got the workhorse out there in San Diego Contra who's won at least six innings, and now 16 out of his last 18 starts has given up three runs or fewer in all but three of them as well, so he's been able to do a very, very solid job for the team. Now he has given up four runs in two out of his last three, but I do think that this is going to be a very good bounce back for him. You take a look at what he's been able to do in Miami this season. A buck 80 ERA. He's given up five home runs in 90 innings. I think that we are going to get very, very good Sandy Alcantara in this spot. And for Joe Musgrove, he started out the year within each out of his first 12 starts, pitching six plus innings, 
giving up two runs or fewer. He's regressed a little bit since then. He wound up having a rough start about a week and a half ago against the Colorado Rockies, but by and large, still has been able to do a relatively solid job, giving up two runs or fewer in two out of his last three starts. And you take a look at Musgrove on the road. 294 road area, giving up six home runs over the course of 64 and a third innings. I think that you're going to have Sandy Alcantara do a good job of being able to tame a good Padres lineup, and I think that you're going to have a very good pitcher in Joe Musgrove do a great job against a Miami Marlins team that, well... They've got nothing going whatsoever. I do think that the Miami Marlins have a chance to be able to get to that three number, and I think that three is going to be enough to be able to win this game. I don't see any team being able to exceed that number. I set my total at a 5.7, which is the lowest I've set in any game this season. So, DK Nashapik, going to be on the under with the Marlins. I made this a relative pick'em game. I was willing to take this as long as I was getting even money or better. So, I want to take the plus price of the fish to go along with this total under. 9 to 5, 9 to 6 on the betting board. It is the Chicago Cubs. They're going to be facing off against the Washington Nationals. That's Josiah Gray. It's going to be on the bump. For the Nets, Marcus Stroman is going to be on the bump. For the Cubs, the Cubs are between a minus 135 and a minus 140 favorite. Meanwhile, and between plus 118 and plus 125 is your price on Washington. Eight and a half is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Over is between minus 105 and plus 105. And when it comes to the total, I did wind up setting mine at a 8.9. So this is going to be a circumstance in which I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. And a big reason why is that Josiah Gray just has not been the same at home rather than on the road. Typically, you wind up seeing guys where there's a preem at home and then they wind up being a little bit of a stink burger on the road. And it's been the complete opposite with Josiah Gray. You take a look at Gray, and he's got a 7-8 record with a 481 ERA, which is a little bit befuddling. But this is because he's got a 321 ERA on the road with a 5-1 record. He's 2-7 at home with a 675 ERA, giving up 15 home runs in 50 and two-thirds innings. Now, he's not too much better on the road, giving up 14 bombs in 61 and two-thirds innings. And I mean, the 29 home runs that he has surrendered, that is by far number one out there in the big leagues. So, yeah, it has been a little bit of an issue. He's been giving up right around four blocks for nine innings, but also does have some good swing and miss stuff. He's been able to get a little bit over 10 punch outs per nine innings. You take a look at the recent form of Mr. Gray, though. Three plus runs surrendered in four out of his last five starts. A lone outlier on the road against the Chicago Cubs. And you do take a look at Marcus Stroman. And Stroman has had his ups and his downs. Wanted giving up four runs at his last start against Washington Nationals. I do think that he's going to be able to figure it out, though, because he had given up three runs or fewer in each out of his previous five starts. So I do think that this is going to be a nice bounce back against Washington Nationals team that they are currently dead last in the National League in terms of home runs on a per-game basis as you wind up trading away Josh Bell, you wind up trading away Juan Soto, and as a result, you're not left with too much. You've had Luis Garcia being able to do a solid job move the line. He's hitting above a 275 for this team, and I love what Joey Manessis has been able to do. Five home runs for the career journeyman in 11 games, but got a bunch of guys like Luke Voigt, Lane Thomas, Mikel Franco, Kibeta Wies, Victor Robles, I'm between about a 230 to a 245, and really Luke Voigt is the only guy other than Lane Thomas with a double-digit amount of homers, so that has been a big issue for this team all season long for the Washington Nationals. Bullpen hasn't been terrible as Steve Ciszek, Kyle Finnegan, guys like this. They're posting up right around about a 375 ERA. They used up Jake McGee yesterday. He's been one of the worst bullpen pieces for any team out there in the big league, so 
That's actually a little bit encouraging for them. Meanwhile, for the Cubs, they did wind up trading away a lot of their bullpen pieces at the trade deadline, like David Robertson and company. But Anderson Espinosa has been good for the team. He's posting up a sub-3 ERA. Rowan Wick over the last 40 days has been able to refine his old form as well. And then you got Nico Horner when it comes to lineup. Hitting a little bit above a 300. pair of guys who've been able to do a good job of going deep. Patrick Wisdom, Wilson Contreras. A combined 38 home runs. Contreras has a 365 on base. More around a 355 when it comes to Ian App as well. And then you've got guys like Frank Schwindel, Rafael Ortega. You need a little bit more out of them. But it hasn't been too bad of a lineup. I do think that Stroman going to be able to go off, give a relatively solid start. We've seen the Washington Nationals be able to get to him a little bit. But Josiah Gray he has not been great at home thus far. If you're taking a look... At the run line in the spot, you're finding it between a plus 115 to a plus 130. This one is one that is all over the place. I need more like a plus 130, plus 135-ish to be able to take a shot on the Cubs. And with the Cubs, I'm willing to lay up to a minus 132 on them. I need at least a plus 132 to be able to take a shot on the Washington Nationals. We've actually seen the summer come down quite a bit as right now the max I'm seeing is a minus 134. So this is going to be a case in which we're going to see if we can either get a minus 130 or so on the Nationals getting a run and a half because of the way that the Cubs wound up selling off pieces from the bullpen at the trade deadline or if we're able to get down to more like a minus 132-ish on the money line. Going to be taking a look at the Cubs there, but I do think that the Cubs wind up being able to win a one-run game of which this is going to be a little bit higher scoring, so we shall see the late line movement with regards to Cubs money line slash Nationals run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over 907-908 on the betting board. The New York Rats say it throughout. They're facing off against the Atlanta Braves. Spencer Strider is going to be going for the Braves, and Carlos Carrasco is on the bump for the Mets. The Mets are in underdog of any routine plus 125 and plus 140. Meanwhile, with Atlanta, it's any routine minus 145 and minus 154, with 8 being your total, the over and the under both at minus 110. And I did need at least a plus 144 to be able to take a shot here on the New York Mets. Minus 145-ish is pretty much a max I'm willing to lay with Atlanta. I'm currently seeing a stray minus 143. So right now we are at the absolute max that I'd be willing to lay with the Atlanta Braves. And if we could just wind up getting up a few more pennies because it's opened up with the Mets at a plus 130. If we're able to get up to a plus 145, I'd be willing to take a shot on the Mets. So I current numbers are at the absolute just tire, tire max at the bottom of the line in terms of what I'm able to take with the Atlanta Braves. But when it's all said and done, I do anticipate this being a play on the New York Metropolitans. I do think that the money is going to be coming in on Spencer Strider, who has been tremendous this season. Nearly 14 strikeouts per nine innings. He does have a little bit of a walks issue, giving up 3.4 walks per nine innings. But also with our good friend, Mr. Spencer Strider, he's been able to do a better job of it recently. Six walks rendered in his last four starts. He did wind up having that bad start against the Mets about a week, week and a half ago. I do think that he's going to be able to do a little bit better as he was knocked out after two and two-thirds innings. And he is backed up by a bullpen that is number two in the National League in terms of ERA. As you've got Tyler Mazik, who has come back from injury, has looked relatively solid. A.J. Minter, Colin McHugh. These guys have been able to post up a sub 3-5 ERA. So you do have guys that are able to do a very solid job out there in this bullpen. And you take a look at the flip side, what you're able to get out of the Mets. And I think a big key for this team is just the coming of age of Seth Lugo, you wound up having a rough start to the season, but he's been able to do a significantly better job recently. Now, they were only able to get five innings out of Chris Bassett yesterday, but still, it's been a bullpen that has been able to do a very good job over the last 40 days as they rank in the top eight in terms of bullpen ERA. 
with that regard. And this has been a Mets team that's really been locking down as they have given up now two runs or fewer. I'm not even kidding here. In each of their last seven games. So this has been a Mets bunch that anybody able to get it from all guys. And Carlos Carrasco certainly has been a little bit different on the road rather than at home. He's got the gaudy 13-4 and record. Probably doesn't deserve quite that good of a record, but he's been able to do a good job keeping the ball in the yard, giving up a little bit less than home run per nine innings, two and a half walks per nine. His strike has per nine rate. That is right around nine. 441 road ERA compared to a 335 home ERA. The big thing for him is that he's going up against an Atlanta Braves lineup that has been very dominant all season long. It's going to be tough to be able to keep these guys down, especially at Truist Park as you've got 30 plus home runs as far this season from Austin Riley as he, Dancy Swanson, Michael Harris the third, all in between about a 292, 295. Ronald Cunha Jr. a 360 on base. You've had Mr. Grisham come up to the big leagues and Von Grisham had hit a pair of homers in his first week at the big league level. Eddie Rosario's come off the injured list. He's now able to give the team some at-bats as well. And then for the New York Mets, you've got Pete Alonso, who's been able to do an absolutely amazing job supplying right around 29 to 30 home runs. Francisco Lindor, he's up to 80 plus RBI as well. So he's been able to deliver for this team. And then guys like Brandon Nimmo, along with Marcana, have been able to move the line. You've got Sterling Marte hitting above a 290 as well. No doubt this is a team that wound up having a lot of success the last time these two teams wound up hooking up. And I do think that the Mets, they do have a little bit of value if you're able to get up to right around a plus 145-ish, which wouldn't be surprised if we do wind up getting up there. Right now, waiting on a little bit of line movement here as it stands right now. I'm at the absolute max. I'm going to lay at the absolute best number with the Atlanta Braves. So we shall see what winds up happening with that regard. And this is a total that I did wind up setting at a 7.9. Carrasco has been able to pitch really well recently. Spencer Strider, he's been on this game all season long. Both of these bullpens have been able to deliver as well. So at current numbers, at the absolute max, I'm going to lay with the Braves. When it's all said and done, I do think I'm going to be on the Mets as well. I'm right now holding off on firing it on the money line. But with that said, taking a look at the 8, and I'm taking a look at it under as we go 909-910 on the betting board. It is the LA Dodgers. They had the road they're facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers as Freddie Peralta is going to be going for the crew, and Julio Arias is on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers... They are quite sizable favorites here. Anywhere between a minus 155 and a minus 165. Anywhere between plus 135 and plus 145 is your price on Milwaukee. It is your total. The under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. And I was willing to lay up to a minus 153 with the LA Dodgers. The big question is the run line because when it comes to this LA Dodgers team, they have been absolutely supreme at being able to win games by multiple runs. As a matter of fact, now there's 79 wins thus far this season. They have won 71 of them by multiple runs. I'd be willing to take a shot at pretty much anything of a plus 108 or greater. And on the open, this was right around a plus 110 on the run line. Now we're starting to see it drift away, though, as we're not right now seeing even money as I'm doing this. Westgate has went to plus 154 on the Brewers, which would essentially be my buy point on them. You do take a look at Julio Rios. Certainly has been a pitcher that has been able to do a better job on the road rather than at home, especially the last two seasons. Last season, out of his 20 wins that he wound up getting, he wound up having 13 of them on the road. He's got 12 thus far this season. Seven have come on the road. 277 home area compared to a 227 area on the road with six home runs given up in 67 and third innings away from home. Nine bombs in 55 and a third innings given up when he's been at Dodger Stadium. So I think that that is something to take a look at now. Dodgers have been dominant 30 and 5 
in their last 35 games, covering all these games on the run line as well. And for Freddie Peralta, has been a little bit touch and go for him. He has made two starts ever since coming off the injured list. That cost him all of June, all of July, and into a little bit of August as well. And in eight and two-thirds innings, want to giving up four runs, swing and miss stuff, not quite necessarily as prevalent as it was, say, last season or even towards the beginning part of this season, but overall this season has still been able to get a little bit over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. What I think is important for the Brewers is that they do have some matchers in their lineup. Brody Teles, along with William Adams, both have 22-plus home runs. It's a case in which the Brewers really don't have anyone hitting above 260 other than Mark Barrasso, but you do have some relatively good balance when it comes to the team as Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon, Hunter Renfro, running between about a 245 to 255, and then when it comes to guys like Telez, William Adams, they're hitting in the 230 range. On the flip side for the LA Dodgers, you've got Mookie Betts, who's been tremendous at the leadoff spot. 275 average, 27 home runs, and then on top of that, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, these guys have been able to hit above 300. This is really a Dodgers team in which against righties, lefties, all these splits, they all wind up doing a relatively solid job. And then under the radar, Trace Thompson is now hitting really well for this team. He's hit a 265 overall this season, but in his time with Los Angeles, he's been hitting above a 290. That has been a nice godsend for this team. Will Smith, he's able to give you 17 home runs, hitting right around 275, but bottom of the lineup is still a little bit of a worry spot for this team. You got Joey Gallo, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, Austin Barnes, all guys hitting a 215 or lower for the season. And for the Dodgers, it's really been some of the unsung heroes in the bullpen that have been able to get it done. You're talking about guys like Ed Evan Phillips, Alex Vesia, guys posting up a sub-3 ERA. Caleb Ferguson, I don't think, has given up a single earned run this far this season, but they're currently without Yancey Almonte. That one's hurting because guys like Craig Kimbrell have not been able to necessarily do a great job. Bruce Hart Gridal saw the fold then for the Brewers. Losing Josh Hader, no question that wine's hurting, but still have Devin Williams, who has been able to go out there in his last 34 appearances, give up an earned run in just one of those appearances. There have been a few unearned runs given up along the way, but he's been solid. Brad Boxberger, Hobie Milner, they're able to give you a sub-3 ERA now. Taylor Rogers, sad state of affairs with him. He winds up getting lit up yesterday, but you don't have to worry about him as a result. I do think that the Dodgers should be a nice size favorite here on the road. I think that getting up to right around a minus 165 like we're seeing is starting to get a little bit too lofty. Anything north of a plus 152, I'd be willing to take a shot on the Brewers. And as I'm doing this podcast, we're getting up to between a plus 150 to a plus 155. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Brewers in this spot. I think that Yuri is still going to pitch very well in this circumstance as well. So I did wind up saying my total at some point six. So looking under and looking Brewers. 9-11-9-12 on the bang board, the San Francisco Giants. They're going to be playing those the Arizona Diamondbacks. Medbum, Madison Bumgarner, appears to be the starter for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Meanwhile, Alex Cobb gets a start for the San Francisco Giants. It is yet to be confirmed that Mad Bum is going to be going for the Arizona Diamondbacks. That is why this game is presently off the board. But if we do wind up getting Mr. Bumgarner against Cobb, I wind up saying the Giants minus 177 on the money line with a total of 8.2. So an 8 or less will be taking a look at the over 8.5 or higher to the under for Alex Cobb. It's been a year of unluckiness thus far from He's been able to do a better job when he has been at home rather than when he's been on the road because San Francisco just naturally a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but he's currently got a 3-6 record, fielding independent of a 291 and an ERA that is hovering in the neighborhood of 4, 415 to be exact, to show for it. He's been getting 9.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. That is career high from 2.7 walks per 9. as may hold it in just every single ball that winds up getting it, just winds up finding the wrong area on him. 
Good news is he's out going up against an Arizona Diamondbacks team that they rank in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of batting average. You've been able to Christian Walker do a very solid job of being able to supply the deep ball. He's been able to go deep 27 times as far this season, but he, Sergio Alcantara, Geraldo Perdomo, Carson Kelly, when he's been out there, Buddy Kennedy, Seth Beer, you're able to go down the line. Guys hitting a 226 or lower for this team. You've had a few guys be able to rise up. Joshua Ross sounding about a 280 for this team. Keitel Marte along Jake McCarthy. Both of these guys hitting in that pocket about a 260 as well. And Darren Varsho, he's got right around a 245 average, 16 home runs. That's been relatively solid. Not a lot of consistency, but I will say for the Diamondbacks is they are getting right around 1.4 home runs per game when they're on the road compared to more on 0.9 when they have it at home. And for the Giants, it's a top 10 offense in terms of runs scored per game, and they've actually been relatively solid at home. I just still wonder how in the world they're doing it. Jock Peterson along with Wilmer Flores have 16 to 17 home runs apiece, and nobody else on the team has more than 12, and you really don't have guys doing a great job consistently getting on base. Ario Estrada has been able to ride around at 270. Austin Slater, Luis Gonzalez, you're able to throw on there Wilmer Flores, Sami Lucella, they're in between about a 250 to a 260, but there hasn't necessarily been a lot of guys doing a great job being able to move the line, so it's been intriguing to take a look on that front. And for the Giants, bullpen has been a little bit shameful thus far. Jarlon Garcia, John Brebbia, Camilo Duvall, all posting up 3-3 ERAs or better, but Thomas Zapucky, Tyler Rogers, Dominique Leone, hard to have a lot of faith in these guys. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, not necessarily the world's greatest bullpen of their own right now with Kyle Nelson dealing with an injury. Joe Mantiply has been able to do a solid job all season long for this team. They did wind up having to use up Ian Kennedy yesterday, but you do have guys like a Noe Ramirez, Mark Lance, who have been a little bit better here towards the second half of the season, but still it's been a relatively rough for both of those gentlemen with right around a 440 ERA. So I do think that this is going to be a spine, which Madison Baumgartner is going to struggle a little bit. Obviously, he's going to have a little bit of fire in the belly going up against his old team, but just take a look at what Madison Baumgartner has done on the road, and it's been far from impressive. A 488 ERA, 1-7 record in his 10 starts, giving up 7 homers in 48 innings. And the San Francisco Giants have faced him once this year in 5 innings. He wanted giving up 3 runs. I could see something very similar in this spot as well. Did wind up saying the Giants minus 177 on the money line would need at least a plus 115 to take a look at the run line. And Interlust looking over 8.5 prior to the under. 9.13, 9.14 on the betting board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays. Nate Thoreau, they're going to be facing off against the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole is going to be going for the Yanks, and to be determined, is going to be on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays. So this is a game that is presently off the board. It looks like for the Rays, it all comes down to whether or not Ryan Yarbrough is going to be the starter or if he's going to be a bulk guy. And I am certainly hoping that there is an opener for our good friend Ryan Yarbrough because you just take a look at the career numbers for Ryan Yarbrough when he has been coming out of the bullpen. And it's a pretty remarkable difference. Oftentimes, using an opener doesn't wind up working for a lot of these guys, but it has been very important for Ryan Yarbrough as his ERA coming out of the bullpen, 383 compared to a 482 as a starter. Career as a starter, 10-20 and 20 record. Now, obviously, that's a little bit more relative because when you're a starter, you need to go 5-plus innings in order to be able to pick up that win. So, a little bit of a disclaimer there, but 27-10. and 10 coming out of the bullpen as well. And this is a Tampa Bay Rays team that if you just take a look at the last few years, got a lot of guys on this team that they've got the number of Garrett Cole and the New York Yankees specifically as well. So this could be a relatively solid spot. You've got the good old curse of Sunday Night Baseball. I have no idea how. I have no idea why. But every single time a team playing on Sunday Night Baseball, they wind up then playing on Monday. They go straight down the toilet bowl. It's been something that I've been noticing the last few seasons. And it's going to be really important for the Rays to be able to jump out a little bit 
earlier. They have been dealing with a little bit of an injury to G-Man Choi. He's sort of been in and out of the fold, but he is the ultimate Garrett Cole killer. He's been right around about a 245 for this bunch as far this season, but guys at the top have been able to do an okay job not having Wander Franco out there. That has really hurt them, but Yandy Diaz at 385 on base. Randy Arozarena has been able to hit right around a 260, and Roman Quinson's coming over. He's been able to do a solid job. He's been hitting right around a 260. He's been able to move the line. You don't necessarily have a lot of firepower in this lineup as Currently, your leader in home runs is Randy Rosarena with 15. You got Isaac Paredes with 14, and nobody else has more than eight. So that's an issue. And for the New York Yankees, even though they wound up getting shut out yesterday, you still got that guy by the name of Aaron Judge. He's sitting at 346 home runs. He has been absolutely amazing. Anthony Rizzo's back in the fold. He's able to supply 17 bombs. And then you do have guys that do a good job of moving the line, take those solo shots into two and three run home runs like Jose Trevino, Isaiah Canerfalefa, in between about a 265 to 270, DJ turned it up a May you 380 on base for him. Aaron X, I know that he is much maligned out there in New York. He's got a 342 on base, so he's been able to do his park. Labor Torres has been solid. Big thing for the Yankees is the bullpen is starting to look a little bit more shaky as Clay Holmes over the last 30 days, he's been posting up in the area. That is north of five. You've had Jonathan the Lights coaches all year long. Not necessarily be too terrific. I like what you've been able to get out of Lucas Ludke along someone like a Wandy Peralta. Both of these guys posting up a sub-3 ERA along with Albert Abadeu Jr. But you do take a look at this Rays bunch and they've been able to do an absolutely incredible job with their bullpen. Jason Adam, he's still been able to provide a sub-2 ERA. Jalen Beeks, who typically winds up coming in as a little bit of an opener in these sorts of spots as well. He, I believe, has started six games as far as this season. He's got a 235 ERA. Brooks Raley, Matt Weisler, these guys have been relatively solid all season long. Pete Fairbanks is back for this Rays team. So I do think that the Rays have a little bit of value. I would need at least plus 170 to be able to take a shot on them because Garrett Cole still has been very good at Yankee Stadium thus far this season. He's got overall a 305 ERA at home compared to a 379 on the road. What has been really hurting him is a deep ball between home and road starts. Given up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings. Still has been able to get those 11 plus punch outs per nine innings, but I would need at least plus 170 to take a shot here on the race. Semi total at 7.7, so 7.5 or less, looking over 8 or higher to the under. As we go 9.15, 9.16 on the betting board, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be playing us to the Baltimore Orioles. Kyle Bradish is going to be going for the Orioles, and Yusei Kikuchi on the bump. For the Blue Jays, the Jays are favorites of any between minus 152 and minus 165. Meanwhile, any between plus 140 and plus 145 is your price. Uh, Baltimore, 9 is the total. Over is minus 120 and the under is even. Needed at least a plus 145 to take a shot on the Orioles, but we have gotten there. So I'm going to be taking a look at Baltimore. And the big thing for Kyle Bradish is... Just stay out of trouble in terms of the deep ball. He's been giving up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings. He's actually got good swing and miss stuff. He's been able to give you nine strikeouts per nine innings. Take a look at what he's done on the road thus far this season. And it's actually been better than what he's been able to do at home. Ten home runs in 38 and two-thirds innings. Give it up at home. Three bombs in 23 innings on the road. Opponents overall, they are hitting a 314 off of him. But I do think that Bradish is going to be able to turn it around. In his last three starts, he's looked a little bit better. 15 and third innings has given up six runs in this time span. So that is very encouraging. And for Yusei Kikuchi, it just has been a no good, very bad, terrible season. He's coming off of giving up five runs to this very Baltimore Orioles team on the road last Monday. It's got overall for the season a north of five year. It's been a little bit better at home for 22 home ERA, but he's also at home giving up 2.3 home runs per nine innings. That is not too terrific. And 
for Baltimore. I do recognize the fact that they wound up losing the series over the weekend against the Tampa Bay Rays, but you do take a look at this lineup, and it's really starting to get come together for them. Anthony Santander has become a, a nice manager for them as he's got 20-plus home runs this season, and just take a look at this lineup. Santander, Austin the Sage Kid, Ryan Moncastle, Ryan McKenna, Throwing there, Cedric Mullins on between a 253 to a 265, and then Adley Rushman. He's been hitting a 245 overall, but take a look at what he's been able to do over the last three days, hitting north of a 300. Orde Mateo, he very silently has been able to rise up for the team and currently leads the American League in stolen bases. He's hit a 333 over the last three days, so this is a Baltimore team that they're relying a little bit more on the bats because they did wind up trading away Orde Lopez at the trade deadline that will weaken the bullpen a little bit. Still got Keegan Aiken, a multi inning guy that's giving you a sub 3 ERA, and then you got Felix Batista, CNL Perez, Joey Creeble, all these guys, Dylan Tate, mostly got a sub three ERA, so they're still rock solid in that aspect. And I do think that the Toronto Blue Jays have done a solid job with their bullpen recently as well. Yimmy Garcia, Adam Simber, David Phelps are all posting up a sub three ERA. I actually do think that Jordan Romano is a relatively solid closer. He's got 26 saves. He's posting up a 250 ERA, so he's been able to do the job for the scene by and large this season. But I do think that you've got value here with an Orioles team that they've, despite selling off a few pieces at the trade deadline, been able to maintain. You say Kikuchi has been a fade all season long. I don't see why that should wind up varying here. I did wind up saying my total at a 9.8, so I certainly think that runs are going to be a plenty here. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and when it comes to Baltimore, I need at least plus 145 to get a shot here, so we've got that. Plus 145 on the Orioles and the over the play for me. 917-918 on the banking board. The Detroit Tigers, they throw it face off against the Cleveland Guardians, and then we're also going to go 927-928 as the game that is going to be to follow is going to have no numbers on it. We do have numbers on this first game, though, as Drew Hutchinson is going to be going for the Detroit Tigers, and Aaron Savali is going to be on the bump for the home Sandy Guardians. Guardians are finding themselves anywhere between minus 215 and minus 225. Meanwhile, anywhere between plus 190 and plus $2 is your price on Detroit. It is the total. Seeing straight 8.5 out there as well. On the 8.5, under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. On the 8, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. Did need at least plus 193 to take a shot here on the Tigers, and we have gotten there. Now, Aaron Savali in his last start against the Detroit Tigers did wind up looking very solid. Overall, it's been a no good, very bad, terrible year for him, but gives up two runs over the course of four innings. Was really his first appearance since he wound up pitching one inning against the Chicago White Sox a month ago, and he has been banged up all season long for Aaron Savali. He's gotten north of a 6 ERA this season. I think that he's sort of paying for what wound up happening last year where he wound up going 12-5 despite the fact that he wound up having like a 380-some-odd ERA. He's been a guy that throughout his career has had his ups and downs in terms of luck. He either gets really unlucky one year or he gets very, very lucky one year. Currently this year, it's been the latter. He's got a 406 fielding independent and an ERA that is north of six. He's actually got a career high eight and a half strikeouts for nine innings. Only been walking about 2.3 guys per nine innings, but has been allowing the deep ball a little bit when it comes to Aaron Savali. He has been touch and go when it's been coming to his performance at Cleveland. 467 home ERA compared to a 726 ERA on the road thus far this season. Last season, he had a 482 home ERA compared to a 303 on the road. So, has always been very fast. Saying 
to take a look at with that aspect. And then you take a look at Drew Hutchinson, and he hasn't been pitching terrible recently. He's given up three earned runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts. He's had quite a few fours along the way this season, but he's never really given up more than four. He's been sort of used out of the bullpen, used a little bit of a starter, and he has actually been a little bit better on the road than at home. 471 home year compared to a 407 ERA on the road. It's done a solid job keeping the ball in the yard, giving up 0.8 home runs per nine innings. Big thing for him lending a little bit of length because he's giving up over four walks per nine innings. This is a Tigers bullpen that they rank in the top six in the big leagues in terms of ERA. You've got all sorts of guys that will be able to come up big for this team. They do wind up trading away Michael Former at the trade deadline, but Jose Cicerno, Willie Peralta, when he's been out there, Anel De Jesus, Jason Foley, Gregory Soto, Alex Lang, all have a 3.20 ERA or better, but as we know with the Detroit Tigers, right now what's eluding them is being able to have anyone put the ball in play at all. As Javi Baez, he's right now leading the way for the team with 11 homers, and we're in the middle of August. He's hitting at 227, so he's been able to, and air quotes here, pick it up, but I mean, you take a look at things. Des Cameron, Tucker Barnard, Akil Badu, Cody Clements, Cody Carpenter, Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, all hitting a 219 or lower. It's been just dreadful for this team this season. For the Cleveland Guardians, they do not hit the deep ball at home at all. As a matter of fact, in terms of home runs on a per-game basis at home, they're behind the Detroit Tigers at this point as they have played 51 home games thus far this season, and they've got 32 deep balls. That is not necessarily too terrific, but got guys are able to move the line for this team as Jose Ramirez, Steven Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez, Andre Semenez, Ahmed Rosario, Josh Naylor, all these guys are in at least a 270 for the team, and it's really been Ramirez who has been the bomb guy. 22 home runs, 93 RBI. The RBI, they rank in the top five of the big leagues, and the Guardians, they themselves have a very good bullpen. Emmanuel Classe, a top three closer right now in the game. Nick Sandlin, Trevor Steven, both of these guys posting up a sub three ERA. Anil de Los Santos has been a little bit hot and cold, but he still has a 311 ERA. Eli Morgan is able to give you multiple innings, so I do think that you've got a little bit of value here with the Detroit Tigers. I think that Savali is going to have a little bit of a rough start, and then from there, you're going to have things stabilize. I personally only have access to totals of eight. The eight and a half is currently at DraftKings, and we don't have that out here in lovely Las Vegas, but they might setting my total at 8.1, so I'm looking at the eight over, and I'm willing to take plus 195 or greater when it comes to Detroit. Now let's go to 927, 928, the other game in this double dip, as it is going to be Brian Garcia is going to be getting the start for the Detroit Tigers, and then it is going to be the first career start of Mr. Xavion Curry, which is why this game is off the board. We did not know we were going to be getting Mr. Curry until late last night, but I did wind up making Curry a minus 158 favorite when it comes to Brian Garcia. He's going to be a little bit more than an opener. This is going to be start number three from in his two starts. He has went seven and two thirds innings, giving up two runs. He hasn't looked too bad, and those were against the Rays and on the road against the Toronto Blue Jays. And as a matter of fact, the Tigers were able to win that game on the road against the Toronto Blue Jays, but once again, not going to be able to give you a whole heck of a lot. And taking a look at Xavion Curry, what he's been able to do at the double-A interplay level thus far this season, a little bit more of a pitch of contact guy. He's been able to get right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. Typically, that doesn't necessarily duplicate to too many swings and misses at the big league level. He's been giving up a little bit over a home run per nine innings. Not necessarily a juice ball league out there in the Independence League, but good news is they're going up against the Detroit Tigers, and that is certainly going to be able to help out. He's been able to do a relatively solid job in terms of his command right around 2.7 walks 
per nine innings, a product of Georgia Tech that I do think that is going to be able to come out there, do a relatively solid job. Good stuff, not great stuff. You know, should be able to go four or five innings. I've got him priced sort of on par with Connor Pilkington. So I did wind up making the Guardians in this spot with Curry versus Garcia, minus 158 in terms of the Guardians being a favorite. And just like with the first game, 8.1 is what I wound up settling on with a total to where an eight or less looking at an over eight and a half prior to the under. As we go 919, 920 on the bang board, it is the Minnesota Twins. They're going to be playing also the Kansas City Royals. Chris with a K, Boobich is going to hope to not be a Boobich trap as he goes for the Royals and Joe Ryan is on the bump for Minnesota. Minnesota is between a minus 190 and minus 195 favorite. Meanwhile, between plus 165 and plus 175 is your price on Kansas City. 8.5 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110 and needed at least a plus 204 to be able to take a shot on our good friend Mr. Boobich. And I will say for Chris with a K, Boobich, he has actually looked much better recently as he's gotten his ERA down to about 5.02. He is still giving up the deep ball. He's been giving up right around 1.25 home runs per nine innings. And really the main thing for him, four and a half walks per nine innings is still relatively pitiful, but he's given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts. So he has really been able to find something. And as a matter of fact, you're actually able to date that back to the last seven starts with Chris with the K Boobich. So he's been giving his team a fighting chance. They are three and one in his last four starts, but got a question whether or not the Royals are going to be able to land too much run support. They were able to do a solid job in the back half of their series against the Dodgers. So that was a very encouraging sign for this team. You've got MJ Melendez, whoever the last 14 days has been able to go deep four times for this unit. So that winds up being able to help them out. And Michael A. Taylor has been able to do 275, which is a big boost. But you do take a look at the two young guys, Vinny Pasquintino along with Bobby Wood Jr., they're really the guys that stand out to me. They're hitting between a 253 to a 260. And it looked like Pasquantino was going to be a little bit of a buster Rooney, but he has really been able to come on. Take a look at him over the last three days. He's been hitting right around about a 280. He's been able to slug out four bombs over his last 87 at pass. And as a matter of fact, three bombs in his last 50. So that has been a very encouraging sign. You've got Melendez, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. You're able to throw in there Hunter Dozier, Nicky Lopez, hitting between about a 235 to 245. Salvador Perez has not been able to provide a lot in terms of average, but he's been able to do a good job going deep six times ever since coming off the injury list at about 70 or so at bats with the Royals. The bullpen, it is a little bit of a question mark. They were able to get the job done yesterday, but you do have the worst bullpen ERA in the American League. Josh Shamounts that's coming off the injury list just has not been himself. They're rolling the dice on Luke Weaver, who's not been too terrific. Amir Garrett wanted getting used up yesterday. He's got north of a 5 ERA. Don Coleman has actually been solid. He's posting up a sub-3 ERA. Jose Cuas set his ups and downs, but it's been able to give you a couple solid innings as well. On the flip side for the Minnesota Twins, they do have a bullpen that but a little bit touch and go themselves, having Giovanni Morin out of the fold, along Danny Columbia for much of the season has hurt them, but Yohan Duran has been very good. He's posting up a sub to 5 ERA. We've seen Griffin Jacks get Jacks up quite a bit recently. His ERA starting to approach 4, but Trevor McGill, he's been able to give you some good long relief, posting up 3 ERA when needed. Cole Sands, he's able to go multiple innings as well, but for Joe Ryan, I do think that this is going to be a nice bounce back for him. It's been much better at home rather than on the road. 292 home ERA compared to a 505 ERA on the road allowing just five out of his 15 home runs as far this season. 
at home in a pretty equal amount of innings. 49 and a third at home, 46 and a third when he has been on the road at opponents. He's just a buck 84 off of him when he is at home for the Minnesota Twins. You've got Byron Buxton who's been able to supply the bombs 27 thus far this season. And really past that, you don't necessarily have a lot of guys that are hitting a whole bunch of home runs, but if Eduardo Palunco be able to give you 15 home runs, he's got right around a 345 on base, but got a lot of guys that they just move the line. They're able to get on base like Nick Gordon, Gilberto Cicino, Jose Miranda, Carlos Correa, all in between about a 267 to a 275. And Miranda, over the last 40 days, he's been able to well above a 320 for this team. You've got someone like a Jake Cave who hasn't been able to do a lot. Max Kepler, you expect a little bit more out of him, but it has been a relatively solid lineup with Luis Arias being the table setter. 400 on base, 333 batting average at the top. So I do think that Minnesota is going to be able to bounce back against the Royals team that they have been showing some very nice signs of life recently, but I do think that Bubich going to have a little bit of a tough time on the road. Dave I'm saying Matola at an 8.7. As a result, I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. If you're looking at the run line of the Twins are getting right, right around a plus 105. I was willing to lay a very small number of right around minus 105 to a minus 110. So willing to take plus money, laying around and a half with Minnesota, especially with that bad Royals bullpen to go along with this total over. As we go 921-922 on the betting board, it is the Oakland A's. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Texas Rangers. Glenn Otto is going to be going for the Rangers and James Caprillion is on the bump for Oakland. It is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And with Texas, got them anywhere between minus 152 and minus 160 favorites. Anywhere between plus 135 and plus 150 is your price on Oakland. And with Oakland, I needed at least a plus 146 to nibble on them. Seeing the plus 150, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the cap in Caprillion now. With Oakland, it's been a not-so-great losing streak for them. I believe that they have now lost eight straight. But for James Caprillion, all of a sudden, he has been able to do a really good job for this team. He has given up three earned runs or fear, and now each out of his last eight starts. So he has been able to come on after a rough start to the season. Overall, he's still giving up 3.9 walks and 1.4 home runs per nine innings. But take a look at what he's been able to do over his last four starts. He's been able to do a little bit of a better job of being able to locate, giving up just one home run in that time span. The walks per nine rate is a little bit below three. So that is very encouraging signs from him. And then for Glenn Otto, he has struggled at home. He's got a 669 home here compared to a 397 here on the road, giving up seven home runs in 37 and two-thirds innings when he has been at home. And for Glenn Otto, the last time he wanted to face the off against the Oakland A's at home, that was a part of the team's 14-7 loss that they wanted to take into them in extra innings. And the Texas Rangers just have not been good when he's been out there on the mound. They are 1-8 in his last nine starts, and the one win wanted coming in his last start on the road against Houston, where they wanted going to 10 innings, and they got the job done. But for the Rangers, I do think that they're going to be able to provide him with some run support here, as Corey Seager, he's been able to knock out 26 home runs thus far this season, and you've got a lot of guys that are sort of hitting in that fold of, we're going to call it about a 252 to a 260. Sam Uff, whenever he's been out there, as he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, and then you've got Jonah Heim, Adelise Garcia, Seager, Ezekiel Duran. They're all in this fold with Jonah Heim. He's been able to knock out 13 home runs. And then you've got Marcus Simeon and Adolise Garcia combined 36 home runs. But for Simeon, you wound up having no home runs the first 40 or so games of the season. So all these have come in the last 70 or so. That has been impressive to take a look at now. The big key for the Rangers is just being able to get a little bit of better bullpen pitching as you wind up having Garrett Richards just go straight down the toilet bowl. He's got an ERA that's north of 12 over the last 45 days. He has been completely untrustworthy. Meanwhile, you've been having some touch-and-go scenarios with guys like John King, Jose LeClerc, Brock Burke, and Matt Moore have really been your two reliable guys, posing up a sub-two ERA. And then for the Oakland A's, 
It's not necessarily the world's greatest bullpen, but if you're able to get into the trustworthy guys, it's not so bad. AJ Puck, Sam Ball, Domingo Acevedo, Zach Jackson, all posting up a 3-2 ERA or better. So, got a little bit of something there. Danny Jimenez has been a little bit banged up, but when he's been out there, he's been able to do a solid job. Big thing for the Oakland Aces is just have a bunch of guys that they're not doing a good job of getting on base. Among guys with at least 25 at-bats this season, nobody hitting above a 243. But you do have Jam Bender along with Sean Murphy. They combined 23 home runs, hitting for about a 240 as a unit. Seth Brown has been able to supply 17 home runs as well. Overall for the season, hitting right around a 233. You take a look at what he's been able to do post-all-star break, though. But he is hitting a 290, and he's got... Seven home runs in that time span, so that has been encouraging to take a look at. And I do think that the cap going to be able to do a solid job here against a guy in Glenn Otto that, I mean, let's call it what it is. He's still very raw, has not been able to figure out how to pitch at home. So it's a scenario in which getting north of a plus 146, I'm willing to take a shot on the ace. Did what I'm saying by 12 and an 8.3. The ace may have been having a little bit of difficulty in terms of being able to get online with their offense. I think that this could be a good spot for them. So looking at the eight over to go along with Oakland, 923, 924 on the betting board. It is the Chicago White Sox playing OC. Houston Astros as Jose Arikidi is going to be going for the Astros and Johnny Cueto is on the bump for the White Sox. 8 to 8 and a half is your total on the 8. Over is any between minus 115 and minus 420. Under is between even a minus 105 on the 8 and a half. Under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105 with Houston. You're going to be getting them between minus 125 and minus 130. Between plus 115 and plus 120 is your price on the Southsiders. And when it came to the White Sox, needed at least a plus 126 to be able to pull the trigger there. If you're taking a look at the run line, by the way, right now at Circa on the White Sox, find the minus 143 getting a run and a half, and that's something that I'd be willing to nibble on. With the White Sox, I would like to be able to get them more around about a plus 126-ish in terms of the money line, but the Astros have had a relatively tough time being able to cover the run line, and Johnny Cueto is a guy that you know what you're going to be able to get out of him. You know that he's not going to wind up blocking a lot of guys, swinging him as tough. It is not what it once was for Mr. Johnny Cueto, but overall, he's been able to do a nice job holding down the fourth this season, 291 ERA, giving up one home run per nine innings, right around two walks per nine. Now, he has not necessarily been the same at home, rather than on the road, 371 home ERA compared to a 212 ERA on the road, giving up seven home runs and 51 innings, but the Astros have not necessarily been the offense that we're accustomed to seeing with them, being able to pick up Christian Vasquez, and it's big overall for the season. He's able to hit a 280, and you still have guys that are able to go yard free as Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve, a combined 40 home runs with Altuve, a 370 on base. Alex Bregman, Jeremy Pena, Kyle Tucker, they're only in between about a 250 to a 260. Pena and Bregman a combined 31 home runs, so these guys have been relatively rock solid, but Yoli Gurriel, he's now hitting only about a 245 for the season. I will say Alamendi Ziaz over the last, we're going to call it 40 or so days, as we'll find it with this team hitting above the 300 in that time span in Jordan Alvarez. 400 on base. He's got 31 home runs. That's rock solid. But it's really been the calling card for the Astros, though, has been the bullpen. Ryan Presley, one of the better closers that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. Seth Martinez, Rafael Montero, Ryan Sanic, all these guys have been very solid this season for the team being able to post up a sub-3 ERA. It looks like Martinez most likely going to be unavailable for this game, but you are going to have Brian Abreu out there. He's been able to supply a sub-3 ERA as well, but for the White Sox, they've been able to figure out a few more things with regards to the bullpen as Jimmy Lambert, a failed starter, he has been able to come through in the bullpen. He, Ronaldo Lopez, both given the team a sub-280 ERA. You've had Liam Hendricks and Kendall Graben really by 
the constants for this team. And for the White Sox, lack of firepower in terms of homers has hurt this team quite a bit. You do have Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, Luis Robert, all between 12 and 14 home runs, all hitting between a 300 and a 301, by the way, which I find to be relatively ironic. But the righty-lefty splits, they have calmed down just a little bit with this team. They do need to be able to have more guys be able to go deep for this team, as you have also had struggles with guys like Lurie Garcia, Yohan Moncada, Yasmani Grandal hitting at 215 or lower. But team has been one of the best in the big leagues at being able to move the line. And they're going up against someone in Jose Urikidi, who probably doesn't deserve the 11 wins that he has. He's been much better at home with a 287 home ERA compared to a 483 ERA on the road. And opponents on the road, they had a 271 off of him. He has given up 11 homers in 59 and two-thirds innings on the road. Nine bombs in those same 59 and two-thirds innings at home. So he is certainly someone that will give up the deep ball. Strikeouts per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood of seven. So I do think that Cueto could be able to keep the team close. In order to take the money line of the White Sox, would need more like a plus one. 26, but a minus 145 or better in terms of getting a run in F, I would be willing to take that with the White Sox with these struggles the Houston Astros have had in just so many tight games and so many low-scoring games in general of being able to win by multiple runs as well. So this is a little bit of a scenario in which I'd be willing to take a run in F with the White Sox and with this total set at 8.3, I'm going to be looking at an 8 over in the spot as well. And we wrap things up with 925-926 on the winning board. It is the Seattle Mariners. They throw the facing off against the LA Angels. Shohei Otani is going to be going for the Angels and Luis Castillo is on the bump for Seattle. Seattle is an underdog of anywhere between plus 106, seeing even money out there, and plus 112. Meanwhile, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 122 is your price on Los Angeles. 6.5 is your total. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 115. I did wind up saying my total at a 6.6 in this spot. 6.5, just a little bit too low. I recognize that the LA Angels, really since the beginning of the month of June, averaging about 3.2 runs per game, and you've had two very good pitchers here in Luis Castillo and Joy Otani, both hovering right around at 270 in terms of their ERA Castillo, 9.5 punch outs per 9 innings. Joy Otani, he is up to right around 12 strikeouts per 9 innings. Both of these guys relatively solid command. Castillo, 3 walks per 9 innings. Joy Otani, right around 2.3 walks per 9 innings with both gentlemen. Give the ball in the air. Castillo, a little bit better, giving up about 0.7 home runs per 9 innings. Otani, it's more like a full home run per 9 innings but both of these guys have really went to work and for Luis Castillo he's been able to do throughout his career a relatively solid job on the road he does have a little bit of splits but I do think that he's going to be able to excel here and then for Shoya Otani what he's been able to do at home for the Angels has been remarkable 225 home here just a 5-4 and four record to show for it because he's got nobody helping him out but you do take a look at both of these lineups and there are certainly holes in both of them with the Mariners good news for them they get back Mitch Haniger a guy that had 30 plus home runs last season he has been tremendous and Julio Rodriguez coupled with Eugenio Suarez they've got a combined 37 home runs both of these guys move the line hitting about a 330 in terms of their on base JP Crawford more like a 335 on base for him and then Ty France has been able to do a nice job hitting about a 290 for the team Adam Frazier under the radar has really been able to rise up for Seattle as well he's been able to hit about a 300 over the last 45 days for this unit as well Jesse Winker not a great batting average at a 225 but a 345 on base and the calling card of the Mariners all season long has been their bullpen as you've got Andres Munoz, Penn Murphy, Paul Seawald, Eric Swanson all posting up a 275 ERA or greater for Diego Casio. So it's north of a 3.5 ERA, but take a look at where he was after the first two months of the season to now. It's night and day. He has been able to post up a sub-2 ERA over the last 75 days. Matt Brash has been good in the bullpen and for the LA Angels. You're always playing games when you wind up going to the bullpen because Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera, they've got 
north of 375 ERAs. Jose Cuyada has actually been able to do a relatively solid job. He's posting up a sub-3 ERA. Jimmy Hergett, when he's been out there, has been relatively okay, but you need someone other than Shoy Otani to be able to step up with a bat. Otani, 26 home runs, hitting right around at 255 for the team. Taylor Ward wound up having that nice walk-off home run on Saturday, but take a look at the way that he has regressed. He's sitting at 209 over the last three days. Jared Walsh sitting right around a buck 60 over the last 45 days. You've got Joe Adele, who's been hitting right around at 225 overall for the campaign. And then you've got Mingoli Sierra, along with Max Sassy, Kurt Suzuki, lying at 215 or lower. So it's been a pretty dreadful LA Angels lineup, but I do think that they're going to be able to scratch across a little bit of something off of Luis Castillo. You still have a little bit of firepower out here. I think that 6.5 just a little bit too low in this spot, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and I do think that you're going to be able to get, once again, a very dominant start here out of Shoya Otani. I was willing to lay up to a minus 112 with them, though, and now we're starting to see this number wind up getting a little bit too lofty on that, willing to take a plus 112 or greater with Seattle. So we're looking at the Mariners at a plus 112 or greater to go along with this total over, and that will wrap things up for the Monday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa family, a podcast of big things to Matt Polly Does a great job over there at KMOX and the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to throw this in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters EM. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, it is fine in Apple Podcast Review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. 
to start listening.